Our scripture today is from the Gospel of John. It is from chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. It comes on the last day of Jesus' earthly life, physical life. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. I was listening to the choir rehearse that magnificent anthem earlier today, and I thought to myself, well, do I really need to preach after that? (laughs) And then when Steve called for the offering, he spoke the first two paragraphs of my sermon. But I guess since I have a sermon prepared, I'll just run through it anyway. (laughs) Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we are here today with open hearts, open minds, open lives. Fill us with your word so we might do your will in the world. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So, to reprise... This is Christ the King Sunday. Yes, we are celebrating the authority of Christ over everything. We are affirming Jesus' accomplishment of his mission of salvation. So we might be asking ourselves, why are we reading this particular Scripture. Surely there are scriptures in the Bible that better reflect the power and glory of Christ. Well, just think about that. Jesus is on trial. He certainly doesn't seem to be very powerful. He's been betrayed by Judas, arrested, condemned by the high priest Caiaphas, And Peter has denied him repeatedly. Now he's been brought before Pontius Pilate because temple officials want a sentence of death pronounced, and that can only be accomplished 
by appealing to the power of Rome. Jesus is bound and physically helpless. Nevertheless, he does not deny that he is a king. He does state that his kingdom is not from this world. For this I was born, he tells Pilate, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. So, to know the truth, to do the truth, to belong to the truth, we have to listen to Jesus' voice. What does the voice of Jesus tell us about the truth? The truth is, our God is a redeeming God. Jesus was the king of the Jews, but not only the Jews. He sacrificed himself for everyone. It's also true that his kingdom is not from this world. Of course it isn't. Jesus' kingdom is far larger than anything that one country or even one planet could contain. Jesus' kingdom was and is from heaven. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't our king, that he has no power in the world around us. It's been said that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was kind of like the Normandy landing, only in a spiritual sense. Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection that followed established a beachhead. Jesus made it possible for us to draw near to God as we are. Another truth is that what appears to be weakness is sometimes strength instead. Jesus looks helpless and weak standing before Pilate, But Jesus chose to be exactly where he was. He chose to listen to his father's voice, and he chose to obey. He became our savior in the face of his own suffering, pain, and death. Yesterday, I was reading a book about, well, a book by John Payne called The Luckiest Man. John is a faithful Christian. He was a lay leader in his church. He was a hardworking and talented person who was good at getting what he wanted. Seventeen years ago, he received from his doctor something he didn't want, a diagnosis of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. This is the sort of circumstance that tempts us to rebel against God. Why isn't God protecting us against life's hardships and tragedies when we have served him so faithfully? 
It's a real test of our understanding about who God is and how God expresses his faithfulness to us. John Payne said that being faced with something he was powerless to change forced him to change his thinking. He couldn't rely on his own talents and abilities as he had in the past. Some of his abilities had already declined, and he knew more decline was on the way. He needed to become more reliant on God. He calls his book The Luckiest Man because the more he relied on God, the stronger his relationship with God became. In his weakness, he found God's strength. In his darkness, he found God's assurance. His faith changed from a faith of the mind to a faith of the heart. He quotes God's words to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.9. You might remember that Paul had asked God to remove from him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was, but it does sound bothersome. You might also remember that God did not do as Paul had asked. Instead, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Faced with that answer, Paul had to change his thinking, too. He said, So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. John Payne's response to God was similar. He says, I have discovered God's unlimited power in the midst of my total paralysis. I feel stronger than ever before. This is a mystery to me, how someone feels strong when they're in a wheelchair, breathing with the help of a ventilator, God's power hasn't made him physically well. Perhaps what God's power has shown him is that life as we understand it is not all there is, that the strength of God is a bond and a bridge between this life and the next, to endure in faithfulness and obedience when we are in between those different kinds of life, take strength and sustaining and power from God. John Payne remarks that what he most likes to do now is spend time with the family that he loves. It's another truth that God comes to us in relationships. There is, of course, the relationship of faith, But so often that is nurtured and grown through family members who have taught us. Or it's friends in church who've encouraged and inspired us. Christ began life as a helpless infant. He needed Mary and Joseph in order to survive. The care we show for each other 
is the embodiment of God's care for us. You know the ending of Jesus' trial. It seemed like death and darkness had won. But Jesus' choice was the choice of faithful obedience to his Father, God. And that changed everything. In all apparent weakness, Jesus walked the road to the cross. He took all the sin and rebellion of the world upon his sinless shoulders. And he died in the place of everyone who should have suffered instead. The consequences of Jesus' truth and perseverance are that each of us, each one of us, is a redeemed person. We receive strength to persevere on the path of discipleship while we live, and after we die, we rise again to eternal life with God. In between, we are privileged to help expand the beachhead that Christ has established, his kingdom in the world. These consequences affect every aspect of our world and our lives. Jesus' truth gives our lives a cosmic significance. When we choose Christ, we are choosing to place the story of our lives into the overarching story of God's plan for the world. We're choosing which kingdom we will be a part of, one that affirms God's will or one that rebels against it, one that serves God's eternal purposes or one that tries to subvert those purposes, one that affirms sacrifice as one of the faces of love or one that condemns love itself as being essentially meaningless. The differences are profound, and the Gospel of John expresses them as a choice for light and life or a choice for darkness and death. So the next time you hear of tragedy or you experience it yourself, and we know those times will come, you might find yourself asking How could such a thing happen to such a good person? How can God allow evil and sickness and death? Where is his concern for his faithful? Look for evidence of God at work in the world, but look with the eyes of faith. It broadens your vision. It changes what you see. Consider the way that people come together to respond, to comfort, to support and sustain each other. Consider that God's goodness is expressed by the acts of goodness he inspires in us. Consider that God is calling you to make all of these things visible in the world. Consider that by answering God's call, You are helping to expand the territory of God's kingdom, making his work perceptible to believers and unbelievers alike. 
Is the world a better place than it was on the day that Jesus was tried and crucified? Yes, it is. 2,000 years of Christian effort guided by God have made a difference. But there's a lot left to be done. Listen for Jesus' voice, the voice of truth. Do what Jesus guides you to do. The good we do in his name produces results that endure. No power on earth can prevail against God's Son, not even the power of death. Jesus Christ is King. Rejoice. Amen.